start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen. At this particular point, we're coming close to the end of the year. We're we're wrapping right around. Let's see. We should be close to the middle of December. I want to say this is the 11th of December. Yes, as you are where we do record these things early. So hopefully you've been having a great end of the year holiday season. Things are going extremely well. Have you taken a listen to some of the changes on safetyfm.com or safetyfm.live, depending on which one you want to listen to? And have you been listening to the podcast? Have you been able to find the podcast? A lot of conversations lately have come up over the last few episodes. We've had a lot of interactions with people um, coming back with the Andrea Baker episode. And let's see, the Spanish episode was the other one that kind of got some people moving. And yes, the Spanish one was kind of one of those things that we'll do from time to time. But we did have a lot of interaction come out of it. Um, So I do appreciate the people that have been listening. Now, I will tell you, I did finally come to the realization that we are going to be releasing an episode on Christmas Day. And I have something special for you. And I guess when we get closer, I'll give you a little bit more information about it. But hopefully everything is going extremely well as we're ending here towards the end of the year. Well, today we do have a special little treat for you. We have a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Charles Major. Charles Major is the president of Human Performance Root Cause and Trending. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of information that's covered during this particular podcast. So sit back, relax, unless you're driving, then don't relax too much because you need to be paying attention to what's going on. But enjoy the conversation that we have today here with Charles Major on Safety FM. You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. Jay Allen on Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. So let's just start talking a little bit about how did you get involved? What did you actually do to start getting involved with safety and how did you find human performance? So my history started off in quality, uh, quality engineering, quality management, and then 
uh, got into organizational performance, uh, Lean Six Sigma work. And in that work, the piece that I enjoyed the most was the fact that uh, I found that equally informed people seldom disagree. And it was kind of our job to get the people who do the work, who happen to know most of the problems and have most of the answers, uh, with a shared perspective with the people who write procedure and have the money and set uh, policy. So that became very interesting to me that it wasn't about the tools, it was about the culture. And then I had an opportunity to uh, do very similar work for the uh, Commerce Department. And then when uh, I got into electrical power, uh, doing process improvement, again, focusing on culture, uh, we had a CEO, uh, CEO come in said, hey, I love the work that you guys are doing. I think it's super important to make us uh, successful and reliable. What you're missing is the piece that is the human piece of reliability. So he brought to the organization back in 2010 uh, human performance. And that uh, luckily uh, gravitated toward our group and I gravitated toward it. And just the same things that make anyone successful in a process improvement, uh, lean manufacturing effort are the exact same things that make uh, human performance successful. And that's actually going out and working with the people who do the work, understanding that they're masters, uh, they're masters of the blue line. Uh, they know the work not only uh, as it's written, but as it's actually happening. So that, that, that's been a great course uh, that we've been on uh, here for about eight years. Um, and again, with the CEO starting it off, we've had incredible, incredible uh, support from the beginning. So when you start hearing about human performance as the CEO is laying it out and you've already do, doing portion of the lean, how do you start taking a look at that at first? I mean, it's has some similar information, but it kind of is a little bit different at the same time. So what are your, what are your views at the, at the moment that you're hearing about this? So, you know, the information we were given, it came from it came from uh, Empo nuclear nuclear power, and then also the DOE who took the the human performance uh, principles they got from Empo, put it into the Volume One and Volume Two uh, books. So we we studied those, and they do go to some detail to talk about that this is not just a set of tools, you know, it's a philosophy, right? But in that early going, it was still constrained and still had a lot of focus on the tools and as you know as we begin to move forward begin to understand deeper and deeper that first and foremost we must teach and talk about the principles and key concepts that people must understand that our organization is not inherently safe and that workers create safety and then to step back and always ask ourselves and understand you know what what is it about a reasonable person that would choose to do this right because people want to do good work people come to work to do a good job and how easy it is for us to slip and not think that way when something goes wrong. And again, we know everybody's fallible. And going back to quality and looking at dimming, you know, he said 90% of events are caused by something other than just the individual. Now, what we have found, and I think uh, Conklin uh, and others, is that for us, it's, it's north of 95% of the time. And I think the actual number has to be higher because... I think there's 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 margin of error in there where we fail to accurately understand the impacts of the system. So, system driven 
is a is a central concept between both uh, the lean and the human performance, and that the workers know the answer. So there's a lot of similarities there, and also just like lean manufacturing. When Toyota built their first plant in Kentucky, they invited Ford and GM, whoever, to come take a look. Because they knew that those companies would come in and walk away with, it had to be the tools. So they're going to come out with uh, Kanban and 5S and, and all these lean tools and go try to implement them. When really it's the culture. And the culture has to be inculcated into the processes. So the, they, they weren't worried because they knew they couldn't uh, really... Uh, take that culture and copy it. So when you start talking about the culture, if you had a look at it, how long do you think it takes the average company to understand that particular piece right there, that it's the culture shift that has to take place for a lot of this to be able to work? It totally depends on at what level uh, leaders are ready to accept and change uh, their mindset. So for them to let go of that, uh, you you are best served to come in as high as you possibly can in the organization, and to tell the stories of 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 failure, and then tell the second story about how the system influences everyone's behavior, and then take them through some exercises. Uh, that that's what we do is take them through exercises that show their own human fallibility because because we're all human and biased. It's easy for us to, to fall victim to the better than average bias, right? We we think, well, I wouldn't be in this elevated position if I wasn't smarter than the worker, and I would have never done that, uh, given what they, given the information that they had. And it takes a lot of effort to dig down to get that second story to such a level that leaders and everyone can say, understanding what we know now about that situation, I understand why they made the decision. And I very likely would have made a very similar decision. Once we do that, it changes what the leaders want. Instead of, we want to show that we're serious by a level of discipline, it becomes, you know, show me that we're serious by to what level we understand how the person interacted with our systems, how the systems influence their behaviors, and how we can make it easy to do the right thing and hard to do the wrong thing. So when you start getting the pushback of somebody turning around saying, well, we did X before and it got us to X point and we've been successful, how all of a sudden can you turn around and tell them that this new philosophy is going to be able to work, let's say, quote unquote, better? Right. I mean, so if we look at, uh, you're probably familiar with the the discussion around the asymptotic curve and, you know, the fact that compliance will get you so far and then engineering controls and human factors will get you so far. And then that strategy will start to peter out. And for us, it, human performance has been the one thing that makes us better at everything. Because when we when we wrap these 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 principles into our work, we, we it changes the way we see workers, it changes the way we see work, it changes the way we see error, it changes the way we see violation, and we can't help but be changed in the way that we start to lead and manage. So when, you know, in our organization, when I, when we talk to other leaders and I, luckily I work with an organization that, you know, right up to the, the C-level people, they're ready to get on a phone and tell other C-level people and VPs that, boy, I wish I'd known about this 20 years earlier. Not only did, you know, it give us better safety, better production uh, and cost reduction, but 
the engagement piece is incredible. And the way that we have handled and treated error in the past and influenced action by our workers, we're not proud of. And I would have done things differently. And they're ready to share that because of that. You know, for us, we saw over a three-year implementation period, about a 92% drop in OSHA recordables. Um, but our near-miss reporting went up 279%. It's, it starts to build mutual trust. And like I, you know, like I like to say, if you look at the, the famous uh, Jenga blocks, the view that the leader has on top and the view the worker has from the side, if we get to a place where we can have a shared perspective, we're going to make really good decisions for the organization. So let's talk about that for a moment. When you turn around and you say that your near miss reports ended up going by 200 some odd percent, what kind of impact does that have at first inside of the organization? Are they in shock? Do they have the moment of fear of maybe we're doing the wrong thing? Or do they acknowledge right away that this is the right path to go down? No, you're, you're absolutely correct. There was a bit of alarm bells going off in the beginning, uh, especially when measured on things of uh, really high significance like lockout tagout. When we started having, uh, you know, a 20, 30% uptick in lockout tagout near misses, uh, that was something that I had to prepare, you know, all the way up the chain of command to have a conversation and say, I want to ask you not to be alarmed about this. This is actually us learning. We're not worse than we were before. We're probably the same. But if we take this level of information and turn it into learning and action, we can actually start to turn this thing around. So I said, don't be don't be surprised if it goes up again next year. And that's what it did, right? But then, then it did level off and as it started to go back down. And how do you build the, the trust with the, amongst the workers in regards of them being able to turn in the near misses? Because keep in mind that a lot of people automatically make the assumption that they're going to be penalized if they turn in something. It might all of a sudden be looked at during my review process. So how all of a sudden do you build the trust amongst the workers in regards of turning the information in? All right. So, again, if somebody's starting this process, you know, I suggest you you get the Someone you know can talk to top leadership teams, Rob Fisher, Doug Conklin, somebody, because when they make a decision that they want to learn, it makes it easy for everybody else. When the top person wants skin to show that we're serious, everybody down the line is going to fall in line and do the same thing. So, you know, for us, something that really turned the corner because, you know, training this stuff takes a long time, getting the tools inculcated. But we can change the climate of how it feels after a failure today. We can change the way we respond, right? So we started having a weekly call of, of taking all these safety events, um, you know, on the top half of our significance level, and we roll them through a call. And that call is led by the chief operating officer. So he starts off every call by saying, here, we're not here to blame, we're here to learn. And, you know, I'll tell you, every single time, that a contractor first gets on that phone call, they say something like, we fired the employee. And the response to that is, well, what'd you learn? And that kind of stumps them, right? I mean, we can't direct the work, but uh, we, we strongly encourage them to do whatever it takes to learn from employees and start to work, work with them. So the first time I ever taught human performance at a supervision level, um, you know, I had one guy get really angry because I told a story how we ran two locomotives that weren't ours head on to one another 
and flip them both over. It's a bad day. It's an expensive day. It's an embarrassing day. And I talked about the situations that set those workers up for failure. And then we talked about how we had learned how we're going to change the way we do business. But doing something to those employees wasn't going to change any future outcome. And this supervisor got angry. And he wasn't angry because he thought discipline is the answer. He was angry because he said the exact same thing happened three years ago and I had to fire two of my best employees. And you're going to get kind of kickbacks. And the best you can maybe say to that is, I'm sorry, we were wrong. We're now choosing to learn and improve, right? Instead of instead of blaming people, we're going to start go out and actively trying to learn from situations. And we'll be back right after this with Charles Major here on Safety FM. SafetyFM.com. Imagine that you're doing something inside of your house but you're listening to a book. Imagine that you're at the gym and you're able to listen to a book that you want to read. That's where Audible kicks in. I'll tell you, I use Audible and I have a whole list inside of my library of biographies and just special interest stuff. Anything deeming from Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willing all the way to The Wild Diet. By Abel James. It's that time of the year when everyone's thinking about thoughtful gifts. Think about giving yourself the gift of Audible membership. Now is the best time to do it with a special offer. Access the unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. You can choose three titles every month, one audiobook, and two Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, or on your commute, or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchange, rollover credits, and an audio library you'll keep forever, even if you cancel. Right now, for a limited time, you can get up to three months of Audible for just $6.95. That's more than half off the regular price. Give yourself the gift of listening, and while you're at it, Think about giving the gift of Audible to someone on your list. For more, go to audible.com slash safety FM. That's audible.com slash safety FM, S-A-F-E-T-Y-F-M, or text safety FM to 500-500. That's safety FM, S-A-F-E-T-Y-F-M to 500-500. You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. J. Allen, Dr. J. Allen on Safety FM. Well, it's interesting because you you have to look at it as we've been so, I guess, ingrained with if somebody does something wrong, it's because they don't care. It's because they didn't focus. It's not be, it's because we don't have that level of professional worker. So going through that trend, going through the trends and all of a sudden trying to change that inside of an organization has to be kind of mind boggling at the very beginning. So when you start going through the process and let's say, for instance, you want to introduce this into the company and but your CEO currently is not on board. What would you recommend to the to the to the worker or to the personnel that's trying to get this into the into the organization so it's again go as high as you can to get a champion for this uh 
do what you can to develop in-house practitioners and champions. So let me define what that kind of means in my world. Uh, practitioners are people who take this as a serious part of their being at your organization, right? That, that could be a management level person or maybe not, right? If, if you can have people who are, are highly kind of dedicated, luckily I work in an organization where we have dedicated practitioners. Uh, we treat this as a profession. Uh, it's a long-term career. Somebody has to have the knowledge be able to speak to this because a lot of these things sound like common sense, but they are absolutely counterintuitive in their nature. So practitioners who can go out and coach both at the supervision, craft, technical level, but then also to create that shared understanding and perspective, some, some people who can speak up into the organization. And then the champions I spoke of uh, for us, and what I've seen other people kind of emulate do, is that once we teach human performance in one or two modules, then we come back on our next session and say, would you like to be a part of this? So our goal is to have one person per crew that will become a champion. And for us, what we do is, is we allow uh, one hour a month where we get together with champions and we talk about what's working well in the culture, what's not working well in the culture. Uh, what about the tool implementations that are going well and what's not? So, one, it's as high up as you can go. Two, develop some level of, of understanding of as many people as you can create through practitioners and champions. And then when you do the training, engage each level of leadership. So, unlike what the better-than-average bias tells our executives that they need a shorter version those guys need a longer version because not only do they need to understand the science, uh, the cognitive psychology, sociology, human factors behind why these things work and why people fail and why these air likely situations are actually predictable, manageable and preventable. They need to be able to then go with us to some degree and teach a small portion of this, because if you have some central a safety group or process improvement group, somebody from corporate, uh, it looks and smells like a program, right? If it's the leadership team who's coming along and understands it enough to participate in the learning, it looks like a culture change. It looks like something that's going to happen. And, you know, we strongly feel that everything, uh, for the most part, is going to or is going to fall or stand up at the supervision level. So we are very clear that we have a special training for the supervisor uh, that talks about how supervisors can support these concepts. And we give it to them first, right? If we just do a blanket training, you know, I think one of the best ways to kill uh, anything that you're trying to do with the culture is give the exact same training at the exact same time to the entire work crew. Because what happens is they leave the room scratching their heads and they say, hey, soup, um, what is this about? And the supervisor can honestly say, it's like, I don't know any more about this than you do. I don't know why I don't know why we're doing this. I can't tell you anything. If we want supervision to act like management, let's start treating them like leaders. So um, that, that's another thing I think is pretty important if you can do it in your rollout. Uh, the routine checkups uh, and assessment program uh, is important for us. Uh, we send out monkey surveys to every man, woman, and child once a year. Um, and then we come to each site 
and do observations. So we're there, we're there in pre-shift, we're there in post-shift. We walk around with the with the workers. We interview a cross uh, section of everybody on the site. Um, we go back and physically look at uh, pre-job briefs. And these assessments are not comparing one site to another. These assessments are not an audit, right? What they're for is to see if we think everybody comes to work do a good job, how well did our message penetrate at this site? So it's really a measure of how well the program's done. It's not well. It's not one site against another. There's no failing grade. You, you said a lot in there, so let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit. You referenced something that you have a practitioner out that does human performance. Now, do you do they have other portions of work that they actually do, or is that their main job? It uh, in our organization, um, I'm the I'm the director of operational excellence and human performance. So, operational excellence. Part of human, part of that is the human performance piece, right? And our our people, our time is probably seventy five percent human performance related. So there's there's coaching support at all levels. There's maintaining the champion uh, champion process. There's working with site leadership and directors um, outside of the actual training that we do. There's also event response. So uh, we also go around the fleet uh, and have the opportunity to help uh, set up learning teams, uh, work with those teams, uh, do deep dives into the learning. So, you know, there have been many times uh, over the last few years that we get a call from a leader who says, you know, I've looked at this. This looks like it's going to have to go to discipline. But I wanted to call and see, you know, if you have, if you guys come out and take a look at this, and you know, referencing back to that ninety-five percent and above, uh, these are the cases where people. These aren't just the normal cases. These are cases where people have already looked at it and like, man, this, this almost has to go to discipline. But when we take the time, when we make the investment to slow down, we can do a lot of learning, and they rarely. Really, I, I think only uh, one or two times in the last eight years. Uh, and like I said, that, that very well could be a failure on our part that we didn't understand the perspective well enough. So these, these human performance tools are here to slow us down. The human performance principles are here to slow down our natural bias to blame. So the tools are there in the field to help everyone make better decisions. But the principles, which are first and foremost in importance, are here to let everyone not only make better decisions up front, but help control our natural biases to blame when something goes wrong. So what would you say to the people that sit around and say that HOP or safety differently or safety too, however you want to look at it, is really just a get out of jail free card. And that's why most people want to implement it. Right. So it's, it's a lot of people talking, you know, hey, this is an absence of rules. This is a get out of jail free card, right? You know, it, it's the recognition that when we depend on a person doing something 100% right, 100% of the time, always remember to never forget, wow, we're going to be really disappointed. 
And you know, if if kicking those people in the rear end and firing is the right answer, then I would say that let's go ahead and do that. But unfortunately, when we look at the science, that ninety five percent of all people react in a very similar way, given the same set of circumstances. Our foot is going to get really tired of kicking, and we're going to lose a lot of really great employees. We're going to be disappointed, not only in these people, but in our process. We're going to be disappointed in our procedures. We're going to be disappointed in our ability uh, to hire good people, uh, all those things, because it's not the absence of rules. It's the recognition that we are human, right? So if that's, if we are human and, and, and that safety is not the absence of events, and that it's not the absence of this discipline. It's this this, this dynamic non-event where we create defenses and controls and capacity. That those are the things that will impact us and allow us to be reliable and safe. Now, let me ask you something real quick. I know that we haven't talked about it yet, but you are the president of Human Performance Root. Uh, let me let me phrase that one more time. You are the president of Human Performance Root Cause and Trending, and I know that we that you had referenced earlier that there should be an extended training for leadership inside of an organization when you're going to implement Safety 2.0. Is this something that they would teach at one of your conferences? So the conference we have a yearly conference. It's hprct.org. So it's human performance, root cause, and training, right? So we're in a, we're a nonprofit association uh, that we, we sponsor an annual conference, and we foster this learning and open sharing environment, right? So we're, we're, we're looking at uh, incident prevention, response, organizational learning, operational learning, uh, really anything to improve the performance of safety, reliability, and create resilience uh, in our organization. So... First and foremost, this started, this will be our 25th year, started uh, uh, 25 years ago. And it was within that small community of people who were rolling out human performance. So those practitioners uh, in nuclear power and DOE said, hey, we need to get together and see what's, what, what about these concepts and tools work, right? So, you know, Impo was working early on with uh, James Reason. And, you know, they were still working out how these pieces kind of fit together. So it, it, first and foremost, it's a gathering of practitioners that, that we can get together and talk about, you know, the kind of current best practices and what are the, what are the emerging, uh, what's the emerging science uh, tell us about how we, can, how we can move the whole concept forward. So um, we bring, you know, Todd's been there about half the time lately. Um, uh, Rob Fisher has been there been there since the very beginning. We we do have uh, uh, the consultants who come in and speak with us, but our 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 ardent desire is really around uh, being able for practitioners to share. You know, because when I talk about maybe uh, my assessment program or you know the lessons uh, that we've learned that that tie you know, uneasiness regarding our current results, like going back and talking more about HRO systems or safety one, safety two. And then last year, um, we, we gave a more focus to resilience engineering. So it's really about how all these things come together to fit and synergize, right? So it, it's continuing to work on us about how we change the way we see the work. So the work that we have before us is currently in performance, but this is 
this is a field of expansion, and it better be. Uh, uh, as we talked about the asymptotic curve earlier, whatever your current methods are, they're going to get you someplace and then fail to get you further. So this is a discussion uh, that we need to have. And then another thing we bring up is how to talk and work with top leaders. You know, oftentimes a top leader will get together uh, with a practitioner and say, you know, I just don't want to reduce accountability. How does this attack accountability? Something about accountability. And we, we have a lot of discussion on HPRCT around the fact that, uh, you know, from a, from a real and psychological standpoint, I can't make another person accountable. I mean, I can punish them. I can fire them. I can beat them. Uh, I can do all these other things to them. But accountability is this personal decision. And that if we have to hold someone, quote, accountable, the failure has already occurred. So we, we talk in groups about how do we create pro-accountability. And that's where this mutual, mutual trust comes in. That's where your near-miss reporting goes up. Um, and that's how we overcome our recognize and try to overcome our natural uh, biases. Now, Charles, now let me ask you a question for the conference that's scheduled for 2019. Do you already have information available for it? Yes, it's going to be uh, June 18 through 21 in Colorado Springs. And uh, you can go to hprct.org uh, if you want to know more about that gathering. Okay, well, Charles, I really do appreciate you coming on to Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Join the fun, Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 44-0 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.